You can be seated. All right. I'm going to give this a try. My father listens to me preach online, and he's been giving me a bad time. He's been harassing me because he says every time that I preach, I walk all over the stage, and while he can still hear me, I often go off cameras. He says, where'd you go? I can hear you, but where'd you go? So I'm trying to keep my dad happy, so I'm going to put my seat in this seat and see how long it lasts. You know, I admit to you that, uh, that I, I am a daydreamer. It might be while I am on the road to Wyoming. It might be while I'm spending, you know, too much time on a horse looking at the wrong end of a cow. But I have time where I can daydream. And I tell you, sometimes I daydream about what would I do if I won the lottery. Now, I, you just have to trust me that this, that this, that this concept for this lesson really did come before the news about a month ago when the lottery got to like, like $2 billion, right? All right, lesson time out. I am not promoting, I am not advocating that we all go out and buy lottery tickets. I'm just telling you what was going through my mind when I daydream, and, and, and I'm going to apply that with an illustration through this lesson. So... Well, that didn't last very long, did it, Dad? So, so after the lesson, no pitchforks or pokey things, okay? All right, time in. All right. Well, I can tell you, one of the first things that I know that I would do if I won a bazillion dollars is for the first time, I could finally afford a new cell phone. I mean, those things would put a pretty big dent in a bazillion and there might be a couple of shelves and racks that might be a little bit more empty at Shields once I went through. But I would definitely want to keep 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 in mind. Jeff, do not love the world or the things of the world. If you have the love of the world in you, you do not have the love of the Father in you. You know, I, I would hope that any Christian that won a bazillion dollars would soon think, what am I going to do? And I'm putting this under the context that we are going to ask that question, what would I do with a bazillion, with God in mind, that we are going to treat this as something that is a blessing from God? Well, I, I tell you, you know what I would do? I think I would rejoice too. And I think most Christians, they would rejoice. I can't imagine anybody who bought a ticket and then one would say, oh, bummer, rats. I won. No, I think we'd say this is great. And if we really administered that gift the way that God would want you to, I think we could say that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Frankly, every day we could rejoice and we say, this is pretty cool. And the other thing that I think that we would soon realize is that we would need to do good. We would want to do good. Man, I think about some of the things that this congregation involved in that could make good use of a bazillion. You think about Orphan's Lifeline. Um, think about what's going on with the Goal House. You think about the mission work that we support, and now all the way from Bozeman to Papua New Guinea. I mean, we could put that bazillion to pretty good use, couldn't we? Because 
We don't want to keep that to ourselves, right? We don't want to keep that to ourselves because we've got a bazillion. Man, we are rich. Now let's go back to our Scripture reading from this morning. Because you know what? There's some really rich language that Peter has given to, to the readers there. You know, just a reminder of what he says. Hmm. Peter mentions a precious faith, verse 1. And that grace and peace would be lavished. That's a big expensive word. Lavished upon us, verse 2. And rich knowledge of God and Jesus, verses 2 and 3. A precious and magnificent promise is given to us, verse 4. Here's my point, folks, with this reading and kind of the setup. Christians have already won something much more than a bazillion. We've won Jesus. We've been given Jesus. Someone, notice I didn't say something, we have been given someone so precious and so perfect. Bonus, yeah, along with the gift of Jesus, we do receive grace, peace, forgiveness, and promise of eternal life. So similar to that question that I asked initially, what would we do if we won a bazillion? I think there's an important question that Christians need to ask ourselves. Well, we might ask ourselves, well, what will I do with salvation? What will I do with peace? What will I do with mercy? And those are all good questions that we can ask because of the gift of Jesus, but I think that's really the wrong question. I don't think it's as intimate of a question as we should be asking. I don't think it is personal and has as much weight as it should be. Christians need to ask ourselves, what will we do with Jesus? Right? What will we do with the gift of Jesus? I think of John 3.16. I use that scripture quite, quite frequently when I preach. You know, Jesus is making a pretty important point to Nicodemus. And I'd, I'd like to point out, though, what he isn't saying. Jesus did not say, for God so loved the world that he gave us salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave us mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave us peace. It's not what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave us his Son. That's why it is so important that Christians ask ourselves, what will I do with Jesus? Well, the first thing I think we need to do is we need to rejoice. <laughs> um, do we rejoice that we have been given the gift of Jesus? And in comparison to what we did to receive the gift of Jesus, I think it is just a little bit like getting that $2 lottery ticket and receiving a bazillion. I think of Psalm 8.4. What David said, Who are we that we get your attention? Who are we that we get your uninhibited love? Isn't it great that we do not have to fight for God's attention? We do not have to work for His affection. He gives it. He gives it to us because He wants us to be His children. You know, God really does want to experience the fullness of joy because we have been given the gift of Jesus. You know, we should rejoice with this gift. Not only when we first receive it, not when we first understand what we have been given with Jesus, 
But every day, as we mature as Christians, because you know what? If you take a look at what uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 39 says, nothing, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God through our Lord Jesus. Nothing can separate us. We need to rejoice when we understand that we have been given the gift of Jesus. So if I can encourage my brothers and sisters in anything today, if there was anything that you could add to your to-do list, if it's not there already, wake up every day and rejoice that you have been given the gift of Jesus. Amen? We must keep rejoicing as Christians. Second thing is, I think we need to do good. We are called to do good. Hebrews 13, 16 says, and do not forget to do good. And, and do not forget to share with what you've been giving, given, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. <clears throat> Might ask ourselves, what does it look like to do good? Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that we can learn when we read the Bible about people who do good. But I often go back to a question that Jesus was, in, was asked. He said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, well, you need to love the Lord your God with everything, right? With your heart, mind, body, and soul. And then he adds, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he has some additional teaching when he is asked a follow-up question. Well, who is my neighbor, Jesus? And from that, we get the account of the Good Samaritan. And I think that we understand that, that Jesus was talking about making sure that um, we love people who we, who, when we see a need. And those people in need might not naturally be people that we would find or to look for. Yeah, that teaching is there, but sometimes Jesus is also saying that you know what? Our neighbor may be the closest person we have in our lives. Right? It doesn't just mean people we don't know. So we need to be looking at for who is my neighbor by putting ourselves in their shoes. You know, I tell you that this congregation is involved in some pretty good things. If you think of what happens with our meal trains. So a meal train is when there's somebody we know Maybe it's somebody that we don't know that could really be helped if they had some meals. And so this meal train email goes out, and I tell you what, within hours, not days, within hours, that meal train is usually filled up. And so, good on you, and I'm going to give ladies the shout out here, because I think most of the time the ladies are involved in getting those meals ready and get them ready to go. And for those guys that participate, good on you as well. That's just a Great example of doing good. Cliff, I really appreciate the update that you gave on what's happening with benevolence and member services a couple of weeks ago. Man, I hope you heard that. If you haven't, go back and, and listen to that because it was a great update showing, telling that we are involved in our community. And especially with our relationship with Love, Inc. and the Goal House, we're getting set up to help people that we don't even know yet. Isn't that great that God has given us something where we can do good and hopefully those people who end up in the goal house, they do get to know us. We get to know them and we help them with the goal. Go out and live. Go on and live. Those are things that we do good. I think about the daily email prayers that we get that Mary Gaddy's been putting together. She doesn't know where that reaches, 
She knows that it gets to some people that she is aware of, that she knows, but those email prayers go out to people that she doesn't even realize is being encouraged that day. We are being good neighbors. Dane and Sheila, are you here? Hey, did you think it was pretty good that people came out and helped you after that shed fire? Yeah, we are a congregation that really does good. And what's great is I could go on and on and I have the, I have the same struggle that the writer of Hebrews had in 1132. And what shall I say? I could go on and on and talk about things that I know, but time will escape me. Thank you, church, for doing good. So to honor God with His gift of Jesus and with that joy, with rejoicing and doing good, you know what? There are some things from Peter's teaching that we do need to get rid of. So when we gain something, when we get the gift of Jesus, I think we have to understand that there are some things that we need to get rid of. So if we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yep, there's some things that we just can't participate in. There are some things that would not be classified as God-honoring, that would not be good. So we need to stay away from there. But you know, Peter's teaching is more than that. It's more than just what we can't do. It really goes back to rejoicing and doing good. Same chapter, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. doesn't matter if we've been a Christian for two minutes, two years, two decades. We need to be people who are rejoicing that we have been given the gift of salvation. And we need to make those praises known because we are called out of that darkness. Verse 12, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us. We are to be a people who do good. And especially to those people who do not have the gift of Jesus yet, we can be a real light to them, an encouragement to them, when they do see us doing good in God's name. The purpose of doing you know, good goes back to Matthew 5.16 where, where Jesus says, yeah, you need to do good work so that your Father is glorified. Right? So that your Father is glorified. Let's go back to that winning that bazillion for just a minute. If you tossed in two dollars and you got a bazillion back, would you think that that was a pretty good deal? Yes, whoever said that is right on. We would think, good deal. Yeah, we would think that that was a, a pretty good deal. Listen carefully, church. Listen carefully. God was willing to make the worst deal ever. I'll tell you what he said. I will trade my precious, perfect son, the most valuable entity I have, my own child, for your sins. I will make the worst deal ever. Why would he do that? Well, we can go back to John 3.16 that there is a love there that I don't think that I can fully understand or fully grasp 
until I am with Him in His eternal presence. There's just a love there that I don't get, but I trust that it is there that God was willing to make the worst deal ever. That relationship gift, so precious, so rich. And you know what Jesus wants us to do in return? He wants us to remember Him. So along with having rejoicing, along with doing good, regarding the gift of Jesus, He wants us to remember what He has done for us. And so that really takes us to the point in our worship where we have, call it communion. We have it called it the Lord's Supper. You know, we observe in this congregation a pretty simple, but it's an important gesture that we go through. So we're going to honor Jesus by doing what He told us to do, to remember His sacrifice. We're going to follow the example that He established. We're going to take the bread, representing His body on the cross. We're going to partake of the fruit of the vine that represents His shed blood. So I'm going to pray first for the cup, or for the, for the bread. We'll take that, and then I'll give us just a couple of minutes and silent reflection, if you will, to consider the perfect gift of Jesus and His body on the cross. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we cannot love You like You loved us. We can certainly not give back to You anything that is close to the precious gift of Jesus. Father, we understand. We understand, though, that it was His body on the cross, His perfect sacrifice for us, for our sins. Father, out of love, out of respect, out of honor, we want to do what Jesus asked us to do now, to remember Him, to thank Him for His sacrifice. So as, as we partake of this bread, dear Lord, we do remember. Bring that remembrance back to our minds frequently in our day as we rejoice and we seek to do good. Father, we do love You and pray this. Through Jesus our Savior. Amen. Father God, I just want to continue in prayer as we remember the shed blood, as we remember that perfect sacrifice again. Father, we acknowledge before you that as we take of the fruit of the vine, remembering the blood that was shed, that is a cleansing blood. It removes our sins, Father. And it took that perfect gift of your Son to do that. We want to continue to praise you for that. We want to continue to seek you out in all that we do, remembering, Father, that your Son's blood was shed for ours. We love you and we continue this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, there is something about, about the gift of Jesus, though, that even my simple mind can grasp. There's this short text, words from Jesus, that we might pass over casually as we read it, but it is given to us in three different Gospels. I'm going to kind of allude to Mark chapter 3, but we have a similar account in Matthew 12 and Luke 8. You know, that, 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 that short text that we read, words from Jesus, should mean so much to us. There's a closeness, an intimate relationship that Jesus offers as a gift that just cannot be overlooked. And that's a relationship that he offers with his family. So when his followers, his disciples, had gathered around Jesus to, to learn from him, and yet to be healed, was brought to his attention that his mother and his brothers were looking for him. When he heard that, he looked out upon his followers, his disciples, again, those who had come to listen and to those who had come to be healed, and he said, look, here's my mother, here's my brothers. And then he added, whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Do you know what he offers there? He offers family. He is offering a relationship with the perfect child of God. Wow. You should never, never lose that fact about what Jesus wants, what God wants, is for us to be part of his family. Never forget the value of the family relationship that you win because of Jesus. I think this is so important that no matter what we are going through in our lives, maybe it's just some really good times in our faith. Or maybe it's some really down times where we are just barely, you know, barely hanging on. We're really struggling with everything that is going on. Sometimes I picture myself struggling with my faith that I'm over the ledge and I'm just hanging on by my fingernails. I can never forget that God wants me as part of his family. I can never forget the gift of Jesus. And hopefully when we are there, we're able to get more one more thumb on the ledge and get a handhold on the ledge and realize that there are people, God's church, ready to help pull us up. We can never lose the fact that we are part of God's family. Well, what will you do with Jesus? Rejoice always. Don't let anything ever take away the joy of having been given the gift of Jesus. Then don't keep that precious gift to yourself. Do good. And third, I think we always need to remember why we're here. We need to remember Jesus. So a question to everybody who's listening. Are you a brother or sister of Jesus? Have you obeyed the will of God? Remember, God's will is that you become part of his family. God's will is that you believe in God's Son. His will is that with that belief that you are willing to confess, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. And I believe that He came to this earth and He died on a cross for my sin. And more than that, I believe that God rose Him and I serve a risen Savior. That is God's will for the confession. God's will is that you are willing to be baptized. That's, a, that's an old word for dunked. Completely submerged 
in water. Baptism for the forgiveness of your sin. And then God adds you to His family. Take a look at the end of uh, Acts chapter 2 at the very end. It's not the church that adds you to the church. It's God that adds you to His family. God's will is that you become part of the family of Jesus. Are you a Christian that has forgotten the joy of the gift of Jesus? Maybe you're somebody that's a Christian, but you have really just let that treasure sit. I encourage you, don't bury your treasure. Jesus talks about that, right? Yeah, if you're familiar with that parable, don't bury your treasure. Do good with the gift of Jesus. And, and, and maybe if you're there as a Christian, the best thing that you can do right now is pray to God for wisdom that He will guide you to how, how to best use your talents, your gift, because you've been given the gift of Jesus. Maybe the next best step that you can do is talk to somebody else in the church and together you can work through what it means to use that gift. I'm, I'm going to offer a prayer and then we're going to stand and sing a song. And if any of that applies to you, if you are not a Christian and want to become part of the family, you can do that now today. If you're a Christian and you've been struggling with your faith and you want to start that rejoicing again, there are people here that love you, that care for you, and want to see better days for you. I know our shepherds will be in the back. If they can be any encouragement to you, you can join them while we stand and sing. But let's pray together first. Father God, we just continue in our prayer, acknowledging you as the great I am. We know that you loved us so much that you would give us the gift of your son Jesus. Sometimes we read over these scriptures so casually, they become, <laughs> they become almost common to us, Father, and yet they mean so much. Never let us forget the words of Jesus to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he would send his son to die for us, that we would have an eternal life with you. And Father, please, through your word, through your indwelling of your Holy Spirit, Father, through the encouragement of the church, may we rejoice. May we look for ways that we can do good things, not so we are glorified, Lord, but so that you are glorified. We pray for your coaching, your mentoring. We pray for the encouragement of your church. Father, there's just so much that you have given us, and we are thankful that like Paul wrote to the church at Rome, that there is nothing that can separate us. You do not want anything to separate us from your love through Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to remain in the faith, remain in Jesus, and be part of the family of God. We do offer this prayer in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.